Welkom bij het Congres Journaal van het Nederlandse Tijdschrift van Hematologie. In deze podcastserie brengen wij samen met toonaangevende opinieleiders de highlights van internationale medische congressen direct naar uw spreekkamer. With me today is Dr. Tapankadia of the MD Anderson Cancer Center to discuss his latest research presented at ASH 2020. What is the current standard of care for adult AMR patients and to what extent does older age make patients ineligible for this treatment strategy? Okay, yeah, so thanks uh, for inviting me um, uh, for this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. You know, the current standard of AML uh, in adult patients has, has shifted uh, significantly over the past several years, whereas in the past we used to treat all patients uh, pretty much in a uniform way with uh, intensive chemotherapy, uh, with anthracyclines uh, such as idorubicin or, or donorubicin in combination with cytarabine, the so-called 3 plus 7 or 7 plus 3 regimen. It's an intensive regimen, um, uh, potentially not always uh, appropriate for all patients, particularly those who are older, uh, because of the worry of uh, potential side effects uh, or, or long-term toxicity. Uh, that being said, uh, over the past couple of decades, we have been uh, using lower-intensity therapy, specifically hypomethylating agents such as decidabine and venetoclax, in older and unfit patients who physicians felt were not candidates for the intensive therapy. The problem with those therapies is that although the safety profile was there and the responses and the, uh, the toxicity was low, the response rates were modest in the range of uh, 18 to 20% complete remission rate and maybe a 30% overall response rate. So while we reduced the toxicity, the uh, overall efficacy also declined uh, somewhat. And so, you know, in the past, older age certainly did contribute to uh, avoiding intensive chemotherapy. And that's because of two major factors. One, older patients potentially have more comorbidities. They may be, you know, they're, they're older, so they have older organs uh, and they have a, a, a higher predilection towards having toxicity. And also the, the AML in older patients is, is, is biologically different than what we would see in a younger patient. They're more of secondary AMLs, those that arise from MDS, those that have complex karyotype. So even though uh, an, an intensive chemotherapy uh, is known not to work well in those subtypes. So we had to have a double uh, reason why not to treat those patients with intensive chemotherapy. And so uh, we tended to use lower intensity approaches. So how do you treat older, less fit AML patients nowadays? And what is the prognosis of these patients with these treatment modalities? Yeah, uh, thanks for this question. I think uh, one of the biggest challenges we have is treating uh, older and unfit patients with newly diagnosed AML. As you know, the median age at diagnosis of AML in general is about 68 years of age, and the majority of patients are older than the age of 65. And so in this uh, subset population, we are dealing with two challenges. One is patient-related We have older patients who are potentially less able to tolerate very intensive chemotherapy, and so low-intensity therapies are needed. And secondly, the leukemia or the AML that we see in older patients is distinctly biologically different than what we see in younger patients. We tend to have more patients with secondary AML, that is AML that arises from prior myelodysplastic syndrome. They more often have complex karyotype or adverse mutations, uh, which affect how they respond to chemotherapy. So we are dealing with these two challenges. And so The prognosis uh, for many years had not been that great, and we are slowly making some progress. Previously, we used to use uh, low-intensity therapies such as hypomethylating agents, specifically 5-azacytidine or decidabine as a single agent in the treatment of patients with newly diagnosed AML who are unfit for intensive chemotherapy. Now, while we achieved the goal of reducing toxicity and early mortality, Uh, unfortunately, the efficacy was somewhat lacking and not as good 
as what we were seeing with intensive chemotherapy in terms of complete remissions. And so for a while, that uh, was one of the limitations of this low-intensity therapy. In the last couple of years, uh, with the discovery of the BCL2 inhibitor venetoclax in combination with low-intensity therapy, we have now seen increased response rates and efficacy. And some of that has translated into improvement in overall survival, uh, which is what we have been waiting for. And this, while maintaining relatively good tolerability and low early mortality in this population. And so the 5 A's of cytidine plus venetoclax uh, has response rates overall in the range of 65%, with a median overall survival in the Viali A study with 5 A's of cytidine and venetoclax of 14.8 months. Uh, this is a dramatic improvement from a survival anywhere from 8 to 10 months, what we saw with single-agent hypomethylating drugs. During ASH 2020, you presented the results of a phase two trial evaluating the addition of venetoclax to a backbone of low-intensity cladribine plus low-dose ARAC alternating with 5-azacitidine. Firstly, how did this study come about? And secondly, what were the main results of this trial? Yeah, thanks for this uh, important question. I think, as I mentioned before, our previous standard of care for older patients with AML or the de facto backbone was 5-azacitidine or decitabine. The complete remission rate there was 20%, overall response rate about 30 to 40% maybe. Median overall survival ranging from 7.7 to 10.4 months. So that's what we were working with. And so our initial uh, thought several years ago now was to come up with a new low-intensity backbone that could still uh, have good tolerability, low early mortality, but improved response rates and efficacy. So our, our search at that time was for a new low-intensity backbone. And what we came up with was a combination of cladribine, which is a nucleoside analog, and that's given at 5 milligrams per meter squared IV on days 1 through 5, combined with low-dose cytarabine, 20 milligrams sub-Q twice daily for days, t- for days 1 through 10. Uh, so this combination was low intensity in older patients in, uh, um, uh, with newly diagnosed AML. And so we published our results of this cladribine lotus ARC study in 2018 in Lancet Hematology, and what we demonstrated was that in patients, in 118 patients with a median age of 68 years, the CRCRI rate was 68%, so a composite CR rate of 68%, including a complete remission rate with full count recovery of 58%, a dramatic improvement uh, than what we would usually see with uh, single-agent HMAs. And that translated into a median overall survival of 14.8 months uh, with uh, that regimen, among patients with diploid karyotype, that resulted in an overall survival of 19.9 months. So clearly a very effective regimen, and that was coupled with uh, early mortality in the range of 1% and 7% at four and eight weeks respectively. So that was our low-intensity new backbone. That's the background. And so the thought then was, well, if venetoclax can dramatically improve outcomes with single-agent hypomethylating agents, could we potentially even further improve outcomes in patients with AML by adding venetoclax to cladribine and lotus cytarabine. And so that was the genesis of this particular study. Uh, drawing from our experience from previous uh, uh, studies and adding uh, the newer agent to the cladribine and lotus ARC backbone. And so um, in this ASH meeting, we presented the 55 patients that we've treated with newly diagnosed AML in the front line. Um, the um, the regimen was the same, the backbone, cladribine, lotocytarabine, and this time venetoclax was added on days 1 through 21 during cycle 1. And once they achieved remission, uh, during cycle 2 and beyond, venetoclax was added either on, for, on days 1 through 14 if they had MRD-positive disease or on days 1 through 7 only if they had MRD-negative disease 
a diagnosis. So in 55 patients with a median age of 68 years, we had 40% of patients who were over the age of 70. Um, uh, most of the rest were over the age of 60. Uh, and uh, we had one patient who was 57 years of age who was enrolled because uh, they were deemed unfit for intensive uh, anthracycline-based chemotherapy. Uh, by the ELN 2017, 44% of our patients were classified as adverse risk. And in that population, we saw a composite CR rate, which is CR and CRI, of 93%. And among those patients, 84% were MRD negative by flow cytometry at the time of remission. So very, very high MRD negativity rates. And looking even deeper, 78% of those patients had complete remission with complete blood count recovery. And 93% of those patients had MRD negative disease. So very, very high response rates and deep responses uh, with early mortality in the range of 2 to 4% at four weeks and eight weeks, respectively. Now, with a median follow-up of 14.2 months, this uh, translated into a median overall survival and relapse-free survival, which were not reached. And the one-year uh, estimated overall survival was 70%, but the one-year relapse-free survival estimated to be 66%. Um, so very, very improved outcomes with, with short follow-up, 14 months, but still relatively mature. And this um, benefit was across all uh, subgroups by uh, ELN risk with modest, more modest results among those with adverse karyotype where the median survival was 7.8 months. Uh, but certainly uh, the time to count recovery after cycle one was about 24 to 25 days to ANC to 1,000 and platelet count to 100,000. So while there was myelosuppression, it was manageable, like I mentioned, with dose reductions and um, decreased number of days of venetoclax with each subsequent cycle. And so the study is ongoing. Uh, we're going to continue to enroll a few more patients, wait for more mature follow-up to get a better sense of the safety, efficacy, and longer-term data with this new regimen. And finally, how do the results of this trial compare to historical controls in this setting? And are these findings convincing enough to move this regimen to a randomized phase three setting? Yeah, and that's another great question and exactly the things that we're thinking about. So historically, like I mentioned, with single agent azacidine, we see, uh, or, or decidabine, we see overall survival in the range of eight to 10 months. With aza plus venetoclax, median overall survival of 15 months, 14.8 months. With this study, the median overall survival not reached. So again, to us, it seems better. With cladrine lotus with avenetoclax, about 14.8 months. And so at this early time point, it appears to be uh, somewhat better. And certainly we are considering looking at this in a randomized clinical trial in a couple of different settings. I think one, obviously, we have to take uh, the backbone of 5A zocidine and venetoclax, which is the new standard of care for this patient population, and see how much the current regimen uh, improves outcomes uh, compared to that uh, standard backbone. And, and subsequently, you know, we also want to look, in, and this is sort of a, um, you know, the next kind of step in a, in a large jump is to look at maybe slightly younger patients, patients who may uh, normally receive intensive chemotherapy, but maybe physicians are a bit unsure. Maybe they have some comorbidities. They don't want to get the uh, hydrocytarabine and uh, anthracycline right away. Can we reduce the, uh, uh, the entry uh, age criteria and enroll some people in their 50s, for example, who may be able to tolerate some intensive chemotherapy, but you're not excited about it. And can we still achieve the higher remission rates, the deep responses, and get them to allogeneic stem cell transplant? So those are some of the, the, the kind of the exploratory groups that we're looking at. Indeed, about 30% of the patients on the current trial were able to proceed with allogeneic stem cell transplant in relatively good shape. 
And so I think this is certainly something that uh, is food for thought. Dr. Kadia, thank you very much for your time and for your professional insight. We hope that this podcast was valuable for you. Check our website and 2h.nl for other interviews in this series.